Hey guys, and welcome back to the shoot-around on Friday, January 11th. I'm Nick Harvell. Joined alongside me is Mr. Chan. How's it going, guys? There hasn't been too much noise around the league recently, but we'll get you all caught up to speed with our Causeway update, as well as other news from the league with our Around the World segment. We'll even have our first predictions for the trade deadline as it approaches in about a month. And finally, we'll announce the winner for the Palm Giveaway Dinner for Two. You won't want to miss that, so stay till the end to see if you won. Anyways, let's get right into it by talking Celtic basketball with our Causeway update. As most of us probably know, the Celtics played in London yesterday afternoon, where they overcame a 22-point deficit in the first half to defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 114-103. to Now, Mr. Chan, that first half for the Celtics was very ugly, to say the least, and it was an equally as ugly second half for the Sixers. Now, I was actually listening to J.J. Reddick's podcast today, and his guest on the show was Kyrie, and both admitted that one of the rims in the O2 arena was seemed crooked. So, Mr. Chan, my question is, was this comeback a matter of changing baskets? Or changing the game plan at the break, or all the above? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we're a better second-half team than we are a first-half team, just because Coach Stevens makes some of the best adjustments in the league. Um, but, you know, if one of the rims was crooked, then maybe that had something to do with it. But at the end of the day, hey, both teams had to play two halves. I mean, uh, yeah, both teams <laughs> had to play two halves, and each half, one of the teams had the bad basket. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy to think about how an NBA game can be played if there's a basket that's crooked. You think the league would regulate that for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, but... Especially overseas. I, I think the thing with the London game is just it's, you know, more for publicity in the box. So at the end of the day, it's another regular season game for the league, but yeah. they're just trying to expand it overseas. Well, it was a great one. It was entertaining to watch. Well... As we continue the topic of the Seas, they've been winners of seven straight and are finally starting to get their groove again. Uh, Mr. Chan, what's been the gig- bi- what's been the biggest key deri- Mr. Chan, what's been the biggest key driving the Celtics during this streak? Uh, I think that our defense has looked a whole lot better. Uh, defensive rebounding, guys are making more of an effort to box out and go after rebounds. Um, and I think that Jason Tatum continues to impress me with the way that he plays. Um, I mean, he's a very efficient machine. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, if he took the same amount of shots that Kevin Durant did during Katie's rookie year, Tatum would be averaging 25 a game. That's crazy to think about. I think he's going to be an elite offensive talent for sure. Like, I'm, I'm so high on Jason Tatum. I'm more high on him than Jalen. I'm, I'm open about that. Jason, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. And Jalen too. But, uh, yeah, no, I just think he's – going to be a future offensive superstar. Hey, man, you know, as, as much as you don't give Jalen credit, I still call this. I think Jalen is going to, you know, his ceiling is going to be a better version of Kawhi Leonard. Better so, version of Kawhi. Yeah, so when you pair those two together, you know, Jalen, don't let Nick, you know, make you think that you're not appreciated. No, I still love you, Jalen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that Jalen and Jason are going to be paired together um, for a long, long time to come. And I think that at the rate this is going, when big baller Lonzo Ball gets us that number two to five pick in the draft, we'll and have a ho- dynasty. Hopefully it falls there. We're going to talk about him a little later in the Lakers. But, uh, you know, I've just been loving the play of the role guys. You know, specifically Terry, Daniel Tice, I think, has been playing great minutes. As well as, you know, Marcus Morris finally looked like his old self once again uh, last night. You know, I've... We've heard a lot of rumors about his knee injury that's going to affect him long term, that like the team doesn't really have control or like a timetable of what really is going on. Do you think that this is true? 
Like, do you think the team actually has no control over his lingering knee problem, or do you think the training staff's finally starting to get control over it? I mean, I think that at the end of the day, with an injury, with a lingering injury like that, and with a knee issue, um, especially in basketball when you got to get up and down on the hardwood every day, uh, training staff is doing what they can. Um, you know, props to Morris for playing through it. I just think that it's, if it's a nagging problem, then he's definitely playing through pain. I mean, he's a tough guy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like if it's uh, if it's going to be a lingering injury, I think we should just sit him out, let him rest till playoff time. But, like, I mean, Brad seems pretty open to playing him, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Because he's, he's a huge piece of this team. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he, You know, his role is really important. I think that at the end of the day, you know, if there's no risk for long-term damage and it's a lingering issue, then you might as well play through it. Um, you know, for example, like, you know, the high school team that I coach, I have, you know, my best athlete who's a senior, uh, he's got like a very slight tear in the wrist ligament. But he's choosing to play through it because the doctor's like, hey, it'll probably heal on its own and you can't do any more damage to it anyways. Yeah, right. Um, all right, well, that's all we got for the Causeway update for the Celtics. Uh, next game is going to be on Tuesday, January 16th. Be sure to tune in. All right, so let's move on to some noise in the rest of, going on in the rest of the league with the Around the World segment. Miami, the Miami Heat, have climbed all the way from the 10th seed all the way up to the 4th seed in the Eastern Conference in a matter of only a few weeks. Winners of 6th straight, they're not fully healthy by any means, but they're still finding a way to get it done. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see this coming at all, but remember last season the Heat did start very slow, started at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, as a matter of fact, and eventually found their groove, just barely missing the playoffs. Is this just a case of Heat players feeling hot, or is this something that you think is going to carry on the uh, rest of the season? Well, I think, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at their schedule, but NBA teams do go through stretches where they have really easy, uh, an easier schedule, and they go through stretches where it's the schedule's a lot more brutal. I always say there's always what they call schedule losses, right? If you're playing five games in seven days, those latter games are almost schedule losses every time, you know. Um, so that might be a product of that. Um, the other um, product of their success, I think it's it has been Wayne Ellington. I mean, uh, he's been terrific. Ellington has been shooting what forty one percent from three, mm-hmm. and you know. Spolster is just unleashing him, just telling him, hey, when you catch it, just shoot it. <clears throat> he has a really high release, so it's hard to block it and contest it, but <clears throat> I think that they're coming together. Um, we'll see how Deion Waiters' injury could affect them. Oh, yeah, I just saw that he was out for the season. If, as yeah, ankle surgery. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hope he, hope he makes a full-time recovery. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Spo is one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA, for sure. I think the Heat have one of the most underrated rosters. You know, guys like Wayne Ellington. I think Justice Winslow is a good role player. Mm-hmm. You know, they just have a lot of those guys who, like, play with a chip on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, I think they're a fun basketball team to watch. Yeah, for sure. I think they play well together. Um, you know, the game where they beat the Celtics pretty badly, they employed as a zone in the NBA mm-hmm. and just absolutely stifled the Celtics' second unit. So Yeah, and that was a Kelly Olenek revenge game. And they've yeah. beaten some good teams. They beat us. Remember, they beat the Raptors, uh, like, what was it, a week ago? Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Heat are hot, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some other teams I want to talk about are the Raptors and Cavs, who are our biggest rivals, our biggest threats in the East. And, uh, you know, it was the Raptors the other night, or last night, excuse me, it was the Raptors last night who murdered the Cavs at home by 34 points. 
And oh, quickly on a side note, welcome back, IT. Uh, so anyways, lost by 34. IT, I mean, he struggled. He struggled big time. 0 of 10 in the first half, 2 of 15 from the game. Now, listen, I still think IT is recovering from this injury. It's going to take him some time to get back in basketball shape, get his speed back. But, uh, you know, is Cleveland just going through an adjustment period trying to incorporate IT into their system, or is this just a slump, or is this just too much talent with not enough basketballs in the court? <laughs> um, I, I actually think that it's a result of the Cavs having a flawed roster. I think IT will get his game going uh, once he starts, you know, getting into a groove. Mm-hmm. Man's been away from the game. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I want to be watching for IT is, you know, how quickly he could regain that change of speed, uh, you know, turning the corner and getting downhill on a drive, and, you know, the change of direction for him. That's a big part of his game. Um, so there's that that I'm watching for, but I also say the Cavs have a very flawed roster right now because I think that their defense is atrocious. Um, and while on a good night, they have LeBron, they have IT, and they can start outscoring and have Kevin Love, and they could outscore teams on a good night. Mm-hmm. Their defense has been steadily atrocious. I think you know it's ranked somewhere in the bottom, the bottom five of the league. I want to say. Well, I just think it's a case of you know guys who love having the ball in their hands, but there's only one ball in the court at one time. You know, it is a guy who's very ball dominant, and he gets a lot of his buckets by weaving through defenders, getting to the basket. LeBron, I mean, he's a guy who always needs the ball in his hand. I just think that this is a team that is built around players who are not very excellent off-ball, with, with the exception of Kyle Korver. And, um, you know, I just don't think they're built to win long-term. Well, I, don't, I also think that their biggest flaw is Tyron Lue. Um, I don't think Lou knows how to utilize his talent. Uh, while IT and LeBron both have to be ball-dominant, you can get around a lot of that. You know, you could do some creative things like, you know, having IT set screens for Corver and Corver set screens for IT. IT set the screen? Hey, I'd love to see that happen. That, that's what Brad did last year, too. I got him open a bunch of times. And, um, you know, I think the biggest flaw with the Cleveland roster is their defense. Their sharpshooters cannot defend, and their defenders cannot shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not a good balance. It's it's not a good balance, and their team defense just is not there. I think, um, you know, like I said before, uh, I think Cleveland's ranked in like 25th out of 30 teams in terms of team defense, in terms of points allowed. And over the last three games, you know, it was two, two blowout losses sandwiched in there. Yep. But I think they've allowed, on average, 129 games. Yeah, I mean, 129 points a game. Yeah, and you can tell LeBron's starting to get mad, you know, if you saw his uh, timeout spiel when he was yelling at the guys instead of Coach Lou as Coach LeBron for a minute. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I think they're going to find uh, find their groove come playoff time. You know, I think LeBron's just going to be become playoff LeBron like we've seen him do for many years now. And I mean, he, he'll become playoff LeBron, but the question is, LeBron, you, you know what I mean? LeBron is one man. Mm-hmm. And... A good team will game plan around that. Listen, yeah, you got Kevin Love, yeah, you got IT, yeah, you got LeBron. Make Jay Crowder beat you. He won't. <laughs> Never. He won't. I mean, look at Crowder this year. He's shooting career low since his rookie year. Yep. I mean, I think a lot of this had to do with 
the system that Brad had. Yeah, Brad's system is one of, if not the best systems in the NBA for wing players to play in. Well, he plays, I mean, not just wing players, but versatile players. Exactly. And, and yeah. Brad knows how to maximize this guy's skills. And so at the end of the day, if you put Brad Stevens on the Cavs and Tyron Lue on the Celtics, we'd probably be flipping records right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, oh, I think the Celtics would be much worse than what the Cavs are right now. Uh, anyways, let's talk about Toronto now. And let me tell you, this team, they really scare me come in uh, come playoff time. You know, DeRozan's playing the best basketball of his career. They have a well-coached team. You know, Dwayne Casey, I think, does a, a pretty solid job of getting these guys to buy into what he's, he's trying to do. And they now have some veteran guys like C.J. Miles and Serge Ibaka who kind of have some experience and know what it takes to win. And, listen, I just don't want to face these guys in the conference finals. I, I almost think I'd rather play Cleveland. Really? I, I, I think so. Uh, I think Toronto is in their prime right now. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, I disagree with that. I think that Toronto, for as well as they're playing right now, um, I think that Dwayne Casey's a good defensive coach. I think that in the past, when it matters most, he goes iso ball. And when it comes to playoff time, Kyle Lowry has a has a tendency to disappear. That is true. And the Rosen, you know, for all his great regular season heroics, when he's double teamed, when he's you know game plan against precisely, his efficiency drops off. And so, in that sense, they're still a formidable opponent. But I mean, I mean, this is the best regular season basketball I've seen him play in. As long as I yeah, can remember. And, and they've been, you know, to, to their credit, they've been stretching ball movement. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, from my cousins living in Toronto, there's a huge crowd in Toronto who are not Dwayne Casey fans. They're not. Really? Yeah. And I think, you know, part of their progress has to come with the fact that, you know, like young guys like OG Anubi, you know, they're starting to grow into their roles. They're starting to really come into their own as players. Yeah. So I think... You know, it's a, it's a combination of factors, but the playoffs are a whole different ballgame. See, the thing that scares me most is that DeRozan's kind of got a three ball now, which is, that was his biggest offensive, uh, what would you call it, I guess, deficiency. Yeah. And, I mean, if he's hitting the three, teams are going to be in for a long night. You, we saw him score 52 the other night, effortlessly, it seems. Yeah, but, I mean, score 52, you shut the other guys down, you score more than them, you still win the game. All right. So you, you just all you could do is if he scores fifty two and you can't shut the other guys down, if he's gonna score fifty two shooting difficult contested threes and contested jumpers, so be it. So be it. <laughs> so you know, like I said, I think that he's got a deadly mid range game, but I think that the Celtics have more than enough to match up with them. I sure hope you're right. <laughs> all right, let's shift west now and we're gonna talk about the infamous LA Lakers, who sat at the bottom of the conf- of their conference for you know about a minute, and now they've won three straight. You know, Lonzo is he's not playing to the hype that he had coming into the season, but you know he's starting to play better. He's looking a little bit more comfortable now in an NBA court. And uh, you know, Mr. Chan, we need to get the Lakers back to their old form when they looked terrible and everyone was just trying to play hero ball. I guess you know, is this going to be the start of the Lakers getting out from the bottom of the West, or do you think that he's just are still going to remain down there, and we're going to keep this pick. We're going to. I think we have a good chance of keeping this pick, just because I think that at the end of the day, they play in the West. 
Mm-hmm. And also, it just sounds like there's a whole lot of drama in L.A. right now. Um, you know, LeVar Ball came out publicly like a buffoon that he is and started criti- critiquing Luke Walton. Who's, you know, he's a young coach. He's not going to be perfect. He's a player's he's, coach, too. Yeah, but he's doing everything that he can. Yeah. Um, it's not like there's an immense amount of talent on the roster. Exactly. And so I wouldn't also I also wouldn't be surprised about a trade deadline. You know, they trade away Randall, Nance. They trade away Clarkson, those guys. Clear cast face. For the free agency, they're going to drop back down again. So in all reality, we want them to, to be bad, but we, want, we, want, we don't want them to be so bad that they're worse than the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, geez, the Hawks are bad. So I, I, I think the Lakers would have to like blow up their whole roster to be worse than Atlanta. I mean, you, you never know. I think that, um, you know, Ingram is very inconsistent still, but I think that they're... I think he's got a lot of potential. Their their diamond in the rough is Cal Kuzma. That's that's the kid that I like watching the most on that team. I mean, he plays no defense, but offensively, he's a force. I agree, hundred percent. I I love watching him play. You know, and his game's so developed because he's he's twenty two years old. He's an he's an older rookie who has a solid, yep. developed, experienced game. Yep. All right. So uh, the last thing I want to talk about briefly before we, uh, you know, finally announce the winner of our Palm Dinner for Two giveaway is two bold trade predictions, one for me, one for Mr. Chan, that are going to take place before this year's deadline. Mr. Chan, I'll pass the mic to you first. Now, I know you talked about you know, the Lakers possibly moving Clarkson or Randall or even Nance. Now, is that the biggest free agents, or, excuse me, the biggest trade splash you see? Is one of those guys getting moved for someone, or do you see something bigger coming? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't always see the future, but <laughs> you know, if I were to predict, I think... You know, if Cleveland gets desperate enough, they might move the Nets pick and Tristan Thompson and a few fillers for DeAndre Jordan. Um, <clears throat> their defense is lacking right now. And so they need and, – and Tristan Thompson's in the slump. Um, oh, oh, for sure. He's, he's looked – he's looked like he doesn't even belong in an NBA floor. It's a Kardashian curse. Yep, it is. <laughs> you know, but – you get DeAndre Jordan, at least you could hope that you could get a better rim, a more consistent rim protector. Now, for all of DeAndre's offensive shortcomings in terms of his free throw shooting, and they stuff, have the rest of the roster. They have to the pick up the, the slack. And he's a great offensive rebounder. So I think, you know, if, if there are moves to be made, it'll be that. And I also, you know, um, one trade only if, you know, in terms of the Celtics, only if the price that we pay is very small. Well, I can tell you you're about to say so, something that's going to blow my mind. I, I might I might say, like, Abdel Nader, <laughs> like, you know, uh, maybe Jabari Bird, and, like, maybe a future pick down the line uh-huh. for Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard? Yes. Why? Because we need a sharpshooter off the bench. And you think Luke Kennard has the potential to do that? He's shooting 44% from three. Is he really? Yeah. I, I haven't checked that. <laughs> Kick and shoot. <laughs> I mean, Detroit's a little bit of an under-the-radar franchise, so I, they, I haven't seen that. But They are under the radar, but you know what? <laughs> I actually think that um, there's some rumors that, you know, Kennard might be... Do you think Detroit would actually give him up for so little? I mean, you're literally talking about throwing in the guys at the bottom of our bench and, like, a future... Are you thinking first or second rounder? I mean, if it's a future low first rounder, why not? Why would Detroit, what, what makes Detroit want to do this? 
Here's my question. I mean, for see, the I thing, mean, this is the guy they took with their lottery pick. Yes, that it is. But um, I think you know, with with the Pistons, the problem is that <clears throat> they have quite a bit of an overload at the wing position. Um, the wing. I mean, they don't have superstars there, but if you you know if you look at their roster, right, they're gonna they're gonna have to move one of these wings. Yeah. Um, Avery Bradley, Reggie Bullock, you know, um, Langston Galloway, he's a point. Uh, Tobias Harris, Stanley Johnson, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard. Um, yeah. Schmidt, they have a ton of guards. Anthony Oliver, who's also a stretch. I I almost feel like they. You know they could use something else, and um, I mean I don't know, man. If we could offer them a future pick or offer them something enticing without giving up much, I would love to have Luke Kennard. See, I feel like the reason Detroit wouldn't want to do that trade is simply because I I don't see them keeping Avery Bradley <clears throat> past this year. I I see Avery Bradley <laughs> getting paid somewhere where someone's where a team's going to be dumb enough to give him like twenty million a season. I just don't think Detroit's going to do that. I think Detroit is sold on Luke Kennard. I feel like that's why they drafted him, for him to be their future wing go-to three-point shooter. Now, a player I do think is going to get moved on Detroit, well, this is my bold prediction, but I think Stanley Johnson's going to get moved at some point. Yeah, he's come I, up in a lot of rumors, and I mean, I still think he's got room to develop. You know, He's still young, and he's extremely athletic. He's got a bit of a jump shot, so... Yeah, I mean, I see know, that more than I see Kennard. He's very raw still. Yeah, but um, you know, I think that you know there there are rumors and sources that you know there's a lot of interest in Kennard, but we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, so time for my prediction. <coughs> we had the same guy, but different teams. I agree that DeAndre Jordan is going to be moved, but I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks will make their second trade splash this year and get him. You know, I think that a lineup composed of Bledsoe, Middleton, or Brogdon, like assuming one of them gets trade involved in the trade for DeAndre, uh, Giannis, Jabari, and DJ. I mean, that's a scary starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, they they have the ability then to, to just pound the paint. I mean, the problem with that is how many you know how many outside shooters do you have out of that crew? Well, I mean, I figure if Milwaukee does, in fact, go for DeAndre Jordan. I think they'd rather give the Clippers Brogdon because Middleton's a great catch. He's a great floor spacer. You know, he's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, I feel like Brogdon is, too, and, and I feel like Brogdon has that tough-nosed defense and the ability to handle the ball. Well, you know, like, you never know. I, I also think that for um, Middleton, he's a bit more expensive because he's got that pretty big contract. Yeah. I mean, he's low-key averaging 20 a game this year. So, I mean, and something else that's going to be interesting to see is how well Jabari fits with Giannis when he comes back from this ACL injury. I, and, and especially if they get DeAndre Jordan, too. I mean, it's, it's going to be a scary team if they come playoff time. They're very, very athletic for sure. But, I mean, you know, yes, the Celtics lost him the second game of the season. But that was because it was... It was the Hayward injury. We didn't have any practices. Yep. and Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I just think that this is a scary-looking roster on paper. I mean, Giannis is always scary. Yeah. <laughs> and if you add a uh, borderline all-star center with him and a potential future all-star in Jabari, we'll see how that, that lays. Yeah, is, and, but... and, you know, I hope that Jabari comes back 100% healthy. I, mean, I love his game. A lot, of, a lot of knee injuries over the past few years. So 
hope that he makes a full recovery because I think he has the potential to be a really solid player. All right, now without any further ado, let's get into the giveaway. All right, everyone, I'm now welcome to the uh, Palm Boston Dinner for Two giveaway on the shoot-around. And uh, for those who um, didn't enter, basically what you had to do was follow my Instagram account at the shoot-around and comment hashtag the Palm Boston on my most recent post. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of love on this, and we got a total of 48 entries. So what I have done is I am now on random.org. If you're watching this on Instagram Live, you can see this. If you're listening to it, obviously you can't. But basically, I generated numbers 1 through 48, because that's the number of comments. And basically, I'm just going to click generate one time, whatever number it lands on. The number that comment is on my post, which uh, the live viewers can see right now, all 48 are showing. I'm basically just going to count off. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, you obviously can't see it, but just take, just take my word for it, all right? So we're going to generate this number in three, two, one, 16. So number 16 is one, two, three, four. Wait, let me recount that. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 16 right here. J Norms 13. What's up, buddy? You just won the palm giveaway for the shoot around. Alright. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Nick Harvell and Mr. Chan signing off.